Well, it looks like a Biden campaign shirt, but it is most definitely not. Biden for president? No, no. Anyone but Biden for president in 2024. Get your anyone but Biden mugs and T-shirts right now at StuDoesMerch.com. Use the code Stu10 for 10% off if you're watching on YouTube. Like this video, like right now. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the bell for notifications. We appreciate it when you do so. Blaze TV's Aaron McIntyre is going to be here uh, to talk about the latest in the woke invasion, broadcasting legend Pat Robertson has passed away. And you know the mainstream media is going to handle that with grace and compassion. We'll get into that. But we start by doing Canada's secondhand smoke. <laughs> can, you, can you smell the wonderful Canadian uh, loftings across that border? Oh, thank you so much, Canada. We appreciate it. Wildfires burn across Canada with little relief in sight. And now it's drifting down towards us. Yes, smoky haze blanketing U.S. and Canada. Could last all the way into the weekend. And I mean, it is... Pretty crazy. I will say also crazy on that last ad, my producer, or my last story, you got a producer ad here, which I always love to feature these. These are the ads that are specifically targeted toward my producer when they pull the articles. I don't know if you noticed this in the corner. A military invention to make your abs look good. And wow, I think he's been using it because his abs look incredible. We're in a weird time here when it comes to what's going on. Uh, we have uh, this situation in the Northeast where Really, you know, the amount of smoke I don't think we've ever seen before from these Canadian wildfires. It is really crazy. Let me give you a picture of what this looks like. In Philly, you see eh, some smoke. Looks pretty hazy. Uh, Ellis Island, a little bit worse. You can barely see the Statue of Liberty in the distance. Baltimore, yes, there it is. Lots of haze all over the place. Washington, D.C., oh, no. Yes, 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 it's a smoky picture of one of our monuments. Then you've got Jersey City. Well, it's starting to get a little bit orange here. Now the world's starting to look orange. Is the whole world on fire? In Manhattan, it kind of looks like it is. Uh, pretty orange there. And Chicago, the, maybe the most orange of them all. Yes, this is how we're judging things now about how orange we are. We got a uh, call from uh, Dan Andros, who comes on the show often. He lives in uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, he took some video of what it looks like where he lives. Watch. See <laughs> Lots of flies there, apparently, as well. I mean, that might look like Ryan Gosling uh, from Blade Runner, but no. No, that's just the, the scene in Pennsylvania right now. Uh, the question is, do we invade Canada over this? That's the topic we're going to be discussing today. Should we all-out invasion, f take all the weapons back from Ukraine, start firing them at Montreal? The, that's the question we're all asking right now. I don't know. Justin Trudeau uh, wants you to know it's not his fault. No, no, no. In fact, you're going to be surprised to hear he never thinks it's his fault, even when he's painted his face black. It's not his fault. Here's what he said year after year with climate change. We're seeing more and more intense wildfires, and they're starting to happen in places where they don't normally. To make sure we're keeping people safe, we've invested in community-based firefighters across the country. Well, that's just wonderful. And, of course, you knew this is where everyone was going to go, right? Whenever anything happens, it's climate change's fault. Is it too hot? Climate change. Is it too cold? Climate change. Is it too windy? Uh, climate change. Is it too snowy? Climate change. Is it not snowy enough? Climate change. Over and over and over and over again, we see this. Alberta is on fire, but climate change is an election taboo, according to the New York Times. Um, when did that start? Because all they talk about is climate change. 
And the president is out there every other day blabbing about climate change for one thing or another. What do you mean it's an election taboo? They can't shut up about it. Canada's unprecedented fire season linked to climate change will be the new normal. And that's according to scientists. Just scientists. Just generally speaking, scientists. I need to get more specific than that. It's just scientists. Canada's wildfires are part of our new climate reality experts and officials. So now we've got scientists, we've got experts, and we've got officials. Mm, very, very intimidating. Smoke brings a warning. There's no escaping climate's threat to health. Yes. How Canada's wildfires and air quality warnings are connected to, you guessed it, climate change. They really are basically just like a soundboard. You know, they're like a fart sound machine. You know, got one of those pocket fart sound machines, and when someone sits down, you can press it, and it makes a fart noise, and everybody laughs. Or at least uh, some people think people will laugh at that. That's what they do. Anything happens in the weather, a natural disaster, uh, an alien shows up, whatever, press the button and give some generic speech about how climate has caused it and how it's basically conservatives' fault. Like, I, you see the smoke come down, uh, the temperature goes up, there's too much wind, there's too much rain, there's not enough rain, there's too much drought, there's not enough drought, there's too much snow, there's not enough snow, whatever it is, press the button. Here's Chuck Schumer pressing the button. These Canadian wildfires are truly unprecedented. Right. And we cannot ignore that climate change continues to make these disasters worse. Of course it does. Warmer temperatures and severe droughts mean forests burn faster, mm -hmm. burn hotter, hotter, and burn bigger. Hotter and bigger. And the warming is happening at a faster pace in countries with higher latitudes. Mm -hmm. higher. None of this, none of this no. is coincidence. No. This smoke and fog mm -hmm. over New York and the rest of the Northeast is a warning from nature that we have a lot of work to do to reverse the destruction of climate change. Mm, that was riveting chuckles. Uh, I will say, uh, Chuck Schumer, it wasn't the most electric speech of his life, but very, very smart and didn't sound like 10,000 other speeches that he's given before. Oh, no. And I will say there is uh, that wasn't that was a very baseline speech. Let me give you something with a little bit more intellect, someone who's making the case on the left with a little more intelligence, maybe a lot more intelligence than Chuck Schumer. Watch. This is genocide. This is not normal. This is not normal. We must breathe cleaner. We must breathe cleaner. We must live life like normal, livable future people. <laughs> what does that mean? We must live life like normal, livable future people? What the hell are normal, livable future people? Does anyone know? I don't know what that is. Of course, here's someone who's absolutely not listening to the science. Look, you know, climate change is, you know, what it is. We're about to go into how this argument is basically BS. But one thing that's not BS is when it's really, really smoky outside, probably better to stay inside and shield uh, your breathing rather than going out and screaming on the sidewalk in a bikini in the middle of New York City about future livable, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> livable future people, whatever those people are, uh, make sure to be one of them in the future. I like her. We should bring her back. That seems like a clip we should keep bringing back. Can we bring that back? 
livable future people. That's a clip we need to save. Okay, this all goes into, of course, the circle of grift. It's the same thing over and over and over and over again. A self-fulfilling prophecy. Whatever you want to happen just happens to be the thing uh, that is causing every awful occurrence in our world. Now, if you think about it this way, it's just convenience, right? What a wonderful set of coincidence. When there's a, a fire, that's going to be climate change. And of course, that's going to lead to all of our predetermined policy outcomes. It's going to shield LGBT community members, right? Because they're vulnerable and the more vulnerable people are, are affected more by climate change. And it's going to Sure, we're going to have to get rid of all the oil and we're going to have to get rid of uh, combustion engines and we're going to have to do all these things, all the things we already told you we wanted to do. You know what? Sorry, all this cost, we're going to have to raise taxes. All the things we told you we wanted to do, this justifies us doing. And what a coincidence it is. What a wonderful thing to happen. What a wonderful set of priorities. All you have to do is come up with some BS cause and act like your policies will save you. Uh, and then you can justify Anything. And this is the circle of grift. Why do we do this? Well, we're going to vote Democrat. Why are we going to vote Democrat? Well, climate change. Well, okay, we elected Democrats. Has it stopped? No, it's even worse than we thought. Now what? We need to do something. What do we do? Vote Democrat. Why? Well, climate change. Has it stopped? No, it's even worse than we thought. Now what? Do something. What do we do? Vote Democrat. Why? Climate change. Over and over and over again, the circle of grift spins. That has nothing to do with reality. It has to do with people trying to acquire power by scaring the hell out of you. And if you're up in the Northeast, you might want to stay inside for a couple of days until this passes. Uh, you know, look, this is the sort of stuff that does happen from time to time. But let's look at the facts in context. Wildfires are not global warming. They are wildfires. They are different. They are a totally different thing. It's got nothing to do with global warming. The reason that this one in particular is different is because it's hitting major population areas. The smoke is hitting major population areas. Usually what happens many, many times per year is giant fires burn out of control in places like Canada. And you know who coughs? Uh, bears. Bears are up there and they're thinking to themselves, oh gosh, it's really smoky today. <laughs> no one cares about the bears. They only care about the bears when they can use it to blame global warming so they can raise more money and get more of your votes. But in reality, when bears are caught in a fire, they don't even care about it. No one cares about it. It's barely even reported. Bears and other wildlife get caught in fires all the time. Of course, over and over again, scientists tell us that we need to embrace uh, planned burns to keep the uh, forest at a much more manageable level so that these things don't rage out of control. But the left opposes those. So these fires continue to happen over and over and over again. But I will say this. Is it something we really have to worry about? Now, this happened back in 20, I guess it was 2019. There was the Australian fires. And that was a big story, just like this is going to be a big story. And what did they say last time? Climate change. And Chuck Schumer probably made that exact same speech back in 2019. Climate change is causing the fires in Australia, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't until after we found out that actually in Australia, the amount of acreage burned in those fires was actually below average below average, kind of notable, right? And when you look back at Australia and the trends over a long period of time, what you see is, of course, the opposite of what would be happen happening if global warming caused them. Here's one of the charts for you. Australia had its lowest area burnt since 1900. 
back in 19, 2019 and 2020. Uh, it was, it's been falling and falling and falling to its, one of its lowest levels uh, ever. And one of the things that's annoying about this whole debate is despite the fact that we've seen such improvement in these areas, largely based on capitalism, fueling society, making improvements in society, we respond better, we detect these things faster, we're able to put them out with better technology, blah, 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 blah. What they say is, yeah, maybe we've had a big reduction in the past, but in the future it's going to get worse. And some of these climate models do show an increase in these fires over the next 30 to 50 years. Let me show you, though, what they show. Uh, what, let me show you what that looks like. Here it is. You see the, the drop that we just talked about, which is the black line. And uh, to give you an idea, it's about a 67% drop if you're listening on podcast. And then there's a little yellow line that draws out into the future, into up to 2100. And what you see is a slight increase of about 1% over the next uh, 80 years or so. Now, it's possible that that could happen. Right. Maybe more area will. I, I would argue we're probably going to come up with more innovations and that's likely not going to happen. But maybe it will. Maybe instead of being down by 67 percent since, uh, you know, 1900, maybe the acreage burned will, will only be down 65 percent or 60 percent. But think of all the things we're getting here for capitalism and uh, civilization in general. We're getting massive, massive improvements. And you might say, okay, well, wait a minute, that's just Australia. You're, you're targeting Australia because you don't want to talk about the globe. And that would be uh, something you should definitely accuse me of because I'm an evil conservative and that's just the type of trick I'd try to pull on you. But unfortunately, I also have the global burned area graph. And as you see, since 1850, a massive drop in the amount of area burned uh, by all of these measures, diff different historical simulations combined with observations and satellites. And you can see, and maybe, maybe a more clear uh, graph here, uh, in global burned area from 1901 to 1920, the same thing. The historical recreations show a, a pretty significant drop until about the year 2000. And then it goes even faster and faster as we've actually observed it via satellite. So the bottom line is fires are not up. They're not. They are not. They are lying to you. They want you to believe fires are out of control. Well, what explains then what we're seeing? Why do we see this stuff happen over and over and over again? And are we able to take anything out of this? Well, uh, th this was explained um, in, in one, I think one of the, one of the, I know you subscribe to this, but you may have missed this particular uh, issue, the philosophical transactions of the Royal Society. Uh, let me just draw this out for you. Many consider, this is a, an extended quote, but I want you to get the full context. Many consider wildfires as an accelerating problem with widely held perceptions both in the media and scientific papers of increasing fire occurrence, severity, and resulting losses. However, important exceptions aside, the quantitative evidence available does not support these perceived overall trends. Instead, global area burned appears to have overall declined over the past decades, and there is increasing evidence that there is less fire in the global landscape today than centuries ago. Paper continues, perhaps rather than a wildfire problem that has worsened globally in recent decades, the negative and sometimes, sometimes tragic consequences of fire themselves may be gaining wider public attention and therefore recognition. 
The fact that nowadays the latest news reports about disasters from around the world are readily available to large parts of the population may be a contributing factor. What is not spreading equally well is the recognition that fire is a fundamental natural ecological agent in many of our ecosystems and only a, quote, problem, end quote, where we choose to inhabit these fire-prone regions or we humans introduce it to non-fire-adapted ecosystems. The wildfire problem is essentially more of a social than a natural one. This is the stuff you never will ever hear from the media. They just want to use these fires to scare you. They want you to be terrified of what may come if we continue to burn fossil fuels or we continue to use our air conditioning or you continue to have a life worth living, frankly. They want to destroy all of that in the name of global warming or, frankly, in the name of anything. I don't think they care if it's global warming that drives you to destroy your life. They just want it destroyed. And, you know, that's not the case for everybody. There are obviously extremists who believe those things, and we've you know, read you their quotes many, many times. But there are just people who believe that global warming will move you. They will move you from where you are as an American to Europe, maybe a European view of the world. Maybe a view of you where more and more control of your everyday life is something that you give up to get the security of avoiding global warming. But the reality is this is the same circle of grift over and over and over again. Here it is. You vote for Democrats. Why? Well, climate change. Has it stopped? No, it's even worse than it was before. Now what? We've got to do something. What do we do? Vote Democrat. It goes around and around and around. The circle of grift continues, and it will continue and continue no matter what the weather does, no matter what natural disasters occur, no matter how perfect your life with the climate ever gets. Forever, they will be telling you the exact same thing. And it's up to you whether to believe it or not. I want to tell you about Jace Medical. This is the company that brings you the Jace case. They've got something new called Jace Daily. And it's a prescription supply service that allows you to get a 12-month backup supply for your prescription medication in case of an emergency. Now, you might think, why do I need 12 months of medication? First of all, it's a heck of a lot easier than running out all the time. But this is also uh, something that's much more about supply chains. If you're talking about cholesterol medication, diabetes medication, uh, heart health, blood pressure, mental health, these are medications you probably take on a daily basis. And if there is a supply chain disruption, as we've all seen happen recently, when we're talking about uh, you know, the, the COVID situation and China and all that, while, while all that was going on, people had trouble getting their medications. I mean, we have four people in our household. We've had several times we've gone to the pharmacy and they've been out of one of the medications that we need. That's not America, is it? Why don't you just lock this down for yourself? JaceMedical.com. Enter the code STU at checkout. Get a discount on your order. The promo code is STU at JaceMedical.com. J-A-S-E Medical.com. Get a year's supply of medication or maybe just a Jace case uh, that will give you a supply of antibiotics for uh, you know a, a couple of treatments. It's worth having and it's worth being prepared. Jace Daily from Jace Medical. 
I'm joined now by Aaron McIntyre. He's the host of the Aaron McIntyre Show right here on Blaze TV. He's new. I haven't talked to you yet. Welcome to the team. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of your stuff on uh, online as well. Uh, and you have a, an interesting perspective on the world. I, I feel like you have a really uh, a sense of being able to clarify things down to the core really well. And so we're really uh, happy to have you on board. Um, can we talk about the world and how crazy it is right now? Because it is really, really crazy. We're in the middle of Pride Month. Um, I don't know if you've been celebrating as much as I have. Um, and, you know, you, and you see this, like, I think there's an instinct among the American people to be okay with something like Pride Month. I think the American people look at this and they say, you know, we don't want to be mean to people. We want to be nice to people. And if they have different uh, beliefs and they do different things than me, hey, you know, great. That, that's great. And, and, and of course, part of that is you know, part of the American experience. However, like, this is going farther and farther. Things are changing. The look at the L.A. Dodgers, right? They had this situation where they're this crazy group that is legitimately doing like pole dances on the cross with, you know, with a, a depiction of Jesus there. This is something that I don't even know five years ago, 10 years ago would have been completely unheard of. I don't think anyone would have even thought that it would be possible. And here we are, the Dodgers, not only embracing them, but giving them a community hero award. Can you what's happened to us over the past 10 years? Well, it's weird because, of course, we remember all those, you know, fuddy-duddies in the 80s and 90s, right? Yeah. Those religious right people, ridiculous, they're on the news and everyone's making fun of them because they're all low class and living in trailer parks or whatever. And <laughs> it turns out that actually all those people kind of just predicted the future accurately. Mm. Like those things that they said that we all laughed at and mocked. Well, it turns out that they just kind of came true. And so I think the, the thing that we're looking at is kind of the consequences of a lot of the decisions we made along the way. Like you said, I think the initial impulse from a lot of people was, well, of course, I just want people to live their lives, you know, live and let live, you know, we'll do our own thing, and that should be fine. But a lot of people warned that breaking down some of these more fundamental barriers around how we form families, about how we protect children, about certain aspects of society would have consequences. And we kind of didn't want to believe that because that meant we might have to tell some people no. Meant no, we might have to say, sorry, I understand that you want to do your own thing, but this is going to cause problems and we don't want to, you know, we don't want this to progress along a certain line. But now we're standing at the end of that kind of line of consequences that we were warned about saying, what happens? Like, well, what you were told was going to happen at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, I was, I was talking about this uh, with Jesse Kelly yesterday. And, you know, there's this, I think, an, in, there's something inherent in conservatives that we want to be able to just live our lives. We want to be able to just do our own thing. We want to be able to go to work and come home and be with our families. And, you know, we understand there are things happening in other parts of the city that maybe aren't our thing. Okay, you guys do your thing. That that instinct is something that the left seems to use against us, right? They, that it's a tactic in a way. They use our values against us. And if we don't realize that, there's no way to make this nonstop momentum cease. I think a lot of it is we didn't realize kind of what those things that we wanted to do on our own were. We just kind of assumed that everyone had the same values we did. Everyone mm. had the same, you know, moral vision that we had. And there might be differences here and there. We might need to debate those. But at the end of the day, we're all moving towards the same kind of America. And it's okay then if people do their own thing because we're all kind of going that same direction. Yeah. But the left knew different. They knew they wanted to, and they say it directly, fundamentally transform America. And so they were about that business 
business. They were out there making those transformations while we sat home and said, at the end of the day, everybody ab- uh, agrees with us, right? And yeah. we'll be fine. And I think that's why a lot of conservatives got kind of blindsided by this, because they assumed that that kind of Protestant Christian moral vision was kind of just the baseline American value and always would be. And even if one or two things change at the end of the day, we would never see a complete upheaval where, you know, people were celebrating, uh, you know, a horrific <laughs> depiction of drag queens, you know, mocking Christianity in the middle of a baseball game. But here we are. Yeah, but here we are. Um, so it seems like the institutions are really important here and the, and how these institutions have dissolved uh, has really been the story here. I, I keep thinking of the last you know, decade or so as the revenge of the slippery slope, right? Like everyone used to make that argument and say, oh, that's just a slippery slope argument. Yes, it is. And look how slippery it really has become. Um, when you look at all of this, you know, how important is faith? Because we talk about this and we say, well, you can be a good person and not be a person of faith. And I think that's, you know, generally true for some people. It can, maybe they're stronger than I can. I need it. Um, but how important is that as a society to make sure that we don't run away from those sort of the, the fundamental faith-based concepts that really formed the nation? I think it's essential. I don't think there is such a thing as a secular society. I think every mm. society has a moral vision. They have a narrative that kind of binds them together towards a particular goal. There will be some form of religion kind of at the center of your civilization. That doesn't mean everything is a theocracy. It simply means that there has to be a shared moral understanding if you're going to be a community, if you're going to be a civilization. And so if we're not fording a Christian version we will forward someone else's. That doesn't mean every individual in your society has to be Christian, has to be uh, you know, 100% Bible-believing, those kind of, of things. But if you don't understand if that's like your basic building block, your starting place, then it will be replaced with something else. You don't just end up with some neutral void. You end up with people worshiping you know, American Ramadan and every one of your, you know, the Department of Defense and the Department of Agriculture talking about how important Pride Month is. Yeah, yeah, because I, mean, I noticed this among you know, people that, I, you know, friends from years past, you see them posting online. And they're so passionate about things like Pride Month. You know, they're so passionate to defend a target against, you know, potential boycotts and all these things. And you realize that there's much more passion there than any religion that they have. Right. Like that is something that's really become a core part of these people's beings. And I think it's how they almost would I I'd use this word identify like they would explain themselves as someone who fights against evil people of faith that might be doing these things. And that is a, a real reversal from where we started here in this country. Yeah, we were told that this would, there would be this moral detente, right? And, yeah. that, and that we were all just going to you know, live and let live and everything would be neutral. These institutions would let you do your thing over here and we'll do our thing over here and never the two would meet. But that's not how societies work. Right. Like where we like it or not, we are bound together into a shared experience. And, you know, culture is kind of everybody's problem. So if you don't want your kids raised in a particular idea set, then you kind of have to have an opposing one. You have to have a different moral narrative uh, tradition for which they can be informed in. And so I think that, again, we were just kind of told this idea that, you know, it was all about tolerance and it was all about respect and neutrality, but it was really about advancing a competing moral vision rather than just creating a space where these two could exist on their own. Yeah, it's like they had to get, you have to get over that hump of undoing the moral basis of the society before you can implement your own moral basis. And that seems to be the tactic that's been used 
to much success here. Uh, we really are a country that's almost unrecognizable. I mean, you see it in the culture, right? Like you go back and you look at you know, skits from Saturday Night Live from not that long ago. I mean, It's Pat was a big famous one back in the 90s where like this, you couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl, the type of thing that would never be uh, you know, embraced by Saturday Night Live today. I, I hear comedians, I like listening to, to long form interviews with comedians because I just think they're interesting and they talk about how they analyze this stuff and how they get to where they're going. And so many of them are asked about well, what about this cancel culture thing? You know, well, is that real? And, you know, of course, most of them are liberal and they say, oh, well, you know, I feel like I can say what I want. But I will say there are a lot of jokes that I used to tell that I would not tell today. And it's affecting them. It's changing our culture. It's changing the way that we interact with each other. It's changing what makes life enjoyable. We're all on edge all the time trying to fight back and, 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 and you know, worried about what we say. We're editing our society in real time, and it feels like we're refueling a jet in midair. Yeah, it's the situation where we don't know where to stand. We are in this cultural transition, and people thought that you know comedians are often subverting things, right? That's yeah. kind of you, you you flip the expectations. But when the expectations themselves are a constantly moving target, what do you subvert? Where, what, what will transgress? What will actually get you in serious trouble? What will make sure that you can never work again, never get hired again, never have a Netflix special or an HBO special again, right? You don't know because the, the very thing that you're trying to push back against is already advancing so fast that you don't know where the revolution begins and where you're going to get crushed if you overstep. And so I think that just puts everybody, even those who might have been involved in the business of comedy, in a terrible place. Yeah, yeah. I, I was reading a piece of yours um, uh, called The Origins of the Managerial Elite. This is from your Substack. And in there, you're talking about how ideas form and change, right? How they move through a society, how they change. You talk about Dawkins and, and his initial uh, definition of a meme. Maybe you can discuss that a little bit and how that's changed. Because it feels like these ideas come from a place where we all sort of inherently reject them. They're crazy ideas. They're out there. And they get sort of intertwined in our society. People take a little piece of it here and there. It moves through and all of a sudden it's the majority. Can you talk about how ideas move and can change within a society? Yeah, so today we all think of meme as a funny joke on the internet, right? Yeah, it's a right. funny picture. <laughs> but actually the original origin of meme comes from Dawkins. This is how he got famous as an evolutionary biologist, was talking about the idea of memes as kind of evolutionary things. They, they move and mutate like viruses. And over time they change and adapt and overcome certain challenges. And so he said the same thing could be true of, say, a religion. He's not a big fan of religion, so him, no. him describing <laughs> religion as a virus makes perfect sense, right? But what he didn't think about was the fact that progressivism is one of these things. And like a religion, it will also adapt and grow to its environment. And there's a political theorist called Curtis Yarvin who really explained how this worked by creating a separation of church and state by banning official religion from the public square. The government can't involve itself and eventually companies adapt what the government does. And so all of these things, educational institutions, they all got rid of traditional faiths. But progressivism is like a highly evolved faith that can exist in a secular society because it doesn't have a holy book. It doesn't have an official church. And so it doesn't trigger any of the restrictions of separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. And so over time, progressivism evolves and becomes the thing that fills that God-shaped whole, that moral narrative that we need in our lives that everyone requires, whether they think they're religious or not. And that becomes 
the narrative that binds our state together. And all of a sudden we have a memeplex, a connection of memes that we call wokeness that has now become that new faith that defines who we are. It's transferred over time into this idea that now rules our institutions. I mean, it's, it's amazing how complicated and how advanced it is, how many times it has uh, evolved. Um, I, I hate to do this to you because we have like a minute and a half left, but let me just attempt it anyway. How do we fix this? How do we push back? How do we fight back? How do we win? It's a huge problem, of course, and especially in a minute. But, the, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think the main thing that the right has to do first is understand the reality that we are not going to return to a neutral society. It didn't never really exist. What we had was basically a Protestant Christian consensus, a morality that even though everyone didn't have to be a Bible believer to understand was still kind of the basis for how our institutions were run and how we were going to interact in society. That has been replaced. And until we understand that we're not just going back to some neutral space, but we have to fill that void, even if we got rid of progressivism from all our institutions tomorrow, we have to fill that void with something else. And that has to be a truer vision, a vision that unites us. And I think until we understand that, we're always behind the eight ball. Mm, that's great stuff. Uh, make sure to check it out. It's Aaron McIntyre's host of the Aaron McIntyre Show right here on Blaze TV. He's columnist for theblaze.com as well. Check out the Substack as well. Make sure to check all of it out. Uh, Aaron, thanks so much for coming on the program. I appreciate you coming in. First time in studio. I mean, are you liking Texas here? You liking the vibe here at the Blaze Studios? Oh, absolutely. No, this has been great. I really appreciate it. All right, great. We'll see you soon. You know, buying or selling your home is already one of the most stressful things that you can do, and it can be, you know, 10 times worse if you're not working with the right agent. We talked about this. Uh, Glenn started this company years and years and years ago. Uh, it's called realestateagentsitrust.com, if you don't know that already. And if you're one of these people that are moving from, let's say, some uh, crazy blue state to a sane state, um, maybe Texas, maybe Florida, um, it, it's one of those things where you need to have a, the right real estate agent on either side of that transaction. These markets these days, I mean, you know, Markets in a lot of these blue states are really having trouble. Some of these red state markets are going crazy to the point where you don't know what to buy. Are you overpaying for a particular community? You need to know someone who really knows the market well, certainly knows how to do all the paperwork and, and everything else, but you need to get the best price on both sides of that transaction. The way to find the right person to help you with that is realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Just connect with them. They'll get they'll give you some basic info. They'll walk you through the entire process. It's a free service to you. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Pat Robertson, an uh, incredibly influential preacher and um, head of CBN for many years, a host of the 700 Club, has passed away. He was 93 years old. Pat Robertson, who gave Christian conservatives clout, is dead at 93. Of course, the New York Times write-up spends a heck of a lot of time on his controversies and the things that he said that people didn't like. One thing I, I don't know that people know is he had bought, it was like a UHF station initially in Virginia, and the I want to say the... The, the bank account for, for what turned into CBN started with $3 in it. And he wound up eventually getting enough money to uh, buy this small UHF signal. He actually asked for 700 donors to donate $10 a month to keep the place running. And that's where the 700 Club name came from. Uh, one story I love about this, though, is... This, the channel had so much distribution. Eventually, big-time companies came um, asking and trying to buy it. He wound up selling it in 1997 to, uh, to Fox uh, Kids Worldwide, headed by Rupert Murdoch, for $1.9 billion. 
And Fox sold it later on for $5.3 billion to Disney, which eventually named it ABC Family and put all sorts of weird programming on it. And then, then it changed it again. I think it's now Freeform. The best part of that deal, though, was as part of the negotiations, Pat Robertson said, you can do what you want with it, but uh, we get to put the 700 Club on the channel three times a day in perpetuity. So even though... You know, ABC Family and Fox were putting on all these different shows, had nothing to do with religion at all. In fact, many of them seemed very anti-religion at times. Uh, the 700 Club still popped up three times a day and just keep going and going and going and going. So, uh, you know, we have uh, Dan Andrews from CBN on quite a bit. And, uh, you know, we love the, the guys over there at CBN. And uh, it's, a, it's a tough day for them, I know. Uh, 93 years old, like I said, I knew, you know, I'd heard it was uh, maybe coming here the last couple of weeks. So uh, he will, of course, be mixed. Uh, Tucker Carlson's an adult totally different uh, type of a media situation. Uh, he has breached his contract, according to Fox News. No surprise there. Of course, Tucker knew he was breaching his contract when he went on the air, I'm sure. Uh, he would, may argue separately, but I, I think he's trying to get his voice out there, and he's going to do it whether Fox wants to try to silence him or not. That will be an interesting thing to watch. And another story you may have missed, uh, Jay Johnston, who is an, uh, an actor. And when you credit him, the appropriate way to credit him is, of course, uh, Mr. Show as his first credit, which is a, a revolutionary sketch comedy show on HBO. Uh, also, he's on Better Call Saul, Bob's Burgers. He was charged in the Capitol riot. This is a crazy story because uh, he's one of the most talented sketch comedy artists of all time. He's in, uh, Mr. Show is absolutely incredible. He's done lots of work in that field and a really, really funny guy. And there were pictures that came out in March of 2021, like, do you know this man? And I'm looking at the pictures. I'm like, isn't that Jay Johnston from Mr. Show? And uh, people started commenting that, uh, that way as well, noticing the same thing. And, and people, uh, you know, said, uh, it can't be, it can't be. And I didn't, I didn't think it could be. It was. You don't think of any Hollywood actor who actually would go to the January 6th speech uh, and, and be there. Well, he was. I guess that means he's conservative or a Trump supporter or something. I don't even know. He's never really talked about his politics at all. Um, he wound up texting, I guess, one of his friends and said, uh, he was at the Capitol. This is the text. He said, the news presented it as an attack. It actually wasn't. Thought it kind of turned into that. It was a mess. We got maced and our tear ga and tear gassed, and I found it quite untastic. <laughs> it's typical Jay Johnson. Um, look, just based solely on his work as Choo Choo the Herky Jerky Dancer, he should be exonerated from all crimes. That's my opinion. Uh, that's not exactly the law, per se. I don't know exactly what he did. I mean, one of the reports I read said that he... Uh, helped hand a shield to someone, and that was his crime. Another one said he poured water on the face of protesters that I got, I guess, got maced or tear gassed, and that was his crime. I didn't know pouring water on someone's face to help them, even in a situation like that, was a crime. Uh, you know, he, if he was in the building, he probably is going to get his wrist slapped for that. We'll see how far this goes. Uh, if they're trying to make him out to be some you know, hardened criminal. If he actually was attacking cops, I mean, he should go to prison. Uh, but uh, if not, you know, it seems like uh, just a bizarre uh, tale here. And all of his friends in Hollywood, of course, immediately abandoned him just for going to the rally. Uh, so that's where we stand. I find it to be a travesty, a sham, and a mockery. It's a travesty, sham mockery. And uh, Jay Johnston, I mean, the story of Everest, uh, his work in the lie detector sketch just by itself should exonerate him from all crimes for at least a few more decades. That's my opinion. Free Jay Johnston. Back in a second.
Well, we know big tech and big data and the government are constantly snooping on us. What do you do to avoid that? Well, you know, you got to make sure you're you're digitally locked down. That's really important on your phone. Make sure maybe you're using a VPN service. And also, you want to get uh, something here like this right here. It's a ghost sleeve from uh, Refuge Privacy. And it's a very nice looking leather pouch. You put your phone inside and what it does, it's going to block uh, anyone trying to get into your phone. Uh, it's going to block all the communication devices. So even because they can track you even when your phone is off. Um, this will help stop that. Also, the, a great way to use it is you put it in, you, you, you snap it up and it blocks the sound. So if you're having a private conversation, you're worried maybe about somebody who's trying to record your conversations, you can just bring a couple of these to a meeting and say, hey, I know we're having a meeting. We wanna make sure this is off record. Do you guys mind putting your phones in the refuge privacy uh, ghost sleeves here? And who's gonna say no to that? I mean, you'd look really weird if you wouldn't do it. Uh, and you can make sure that they're not you know, trying to record you or whatever. Keep your conversations private. They're your conversations. You deserve them to be private. RefugePrivacy.com. Go there. Use the code STU. You'll save 10% off your order. Go there now. Refu RefugePrivacy.com. Promo code is STU for 10% off. Oh, kind of a surprise in the Supreme Court. A case was taken up about a Voting Rights Act uh, in Alabama. And um, a couple of the uh, conservatives sided with the liberals in a 5-4 decision. This might seem like I'm just on replay because this happens all the time. Also, you know how much I hate it because I've spent hours talking about it on the show when you refer to John Roberts as one of the conservatives. I hate that. So I will not count it as two. I will say Brett Kavanaugh did this. He went on the other side of this case as well. And um, you want to talk shakiness. Uh, that's where we are with Kavanaugh. It's got to be honest about it. You know, like I know a lot of people are looking to Donald Trump. One of the reasons why they want to uh, maybe reelect him and put him as the nominee was because he did such a good job with the Supreme Court justices. Well, I will say I haven't seen much shakiness out of Amy Coney Barrett. I think she's been pretty solid so far generally. Um, Neil Gorsuch has been had some weird rulings. I mean, I, I don't think there's any other way to put it. There's been some stuff that would maybe fall out. I kind of like Gorsuch, but I, I don't think he's been perfect. And Kavanaugh, I, you know, we said from the beginning, uh, very shaky, very shaky pick and a questionable pick and one that should make you very nervous, frankly. Maybe he'll work out okay, but yet another decision, he went the wrong way. And we should point out Gavin Newsom, who seems to at least think he's running for president, uh, has called for a new constitutional amendment to curb gun access. Uh, this is, would be the 28th Amendment um, and would you know, do a couple things like change the age. You can buy a firearm from 18 to 21, uh, you know, universal background checks, uh, assault weapons ban, all the kind of crap. Now, I will say to Gavin Newsom's credit, which is hard, I mean, it's hard for me to even say those words in order, um, at least he's noting that that's how you'd have to p implement these laws. To, to pass these laws, you'd have to have a constitutional amendment. That's how it would work. Um, but I don't think there's any chance uh, of this passing whatsoever. If you want a real 28th Amendment, here it is right here, right here. Yeah, on this mug. Buy yours today. Get the shirt. It's a great-looking shirt. Repeal the 16th Amendment. Hell yeah. Repeal it. It's the tax, uh, an income tax uh, amendment. You want it gone. Get the income tax out of your life. Let's start arguing about a few percent here and there. Let's just get the thing out of our lives completely. Repeal the 16th Amendment.com is the place to go to get it. Use the code STU10 and you will save 10%.
Review the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Laugh instead of crying. Stu helps me find laughter in the place of sorrow. A funny bright spot in days with plenty to be discouraged about. Love you, Stu. Well, I love you, too. Thank you so much for the review. I appreciate it. On YouTube, you can drop a comment below. Make sure to click like as well. Biden is sharp as a tack. Granted, that is a rusted 80-year-old tack with the sharp point broken off, but it's still technically a tack. And JB writes, anyone but Biden, I'd even take Jeffy. Well, that's that's really saying something. But you can get the Anyone But Biden 24 shirt at the website now, stewdoesmerch.com. Stewdoesmerch.com. The code is Stu10. We'll see you tomorrow for Friday.